This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Key to the success of any community is the success of its nonprofit community. There's a big day coming up on Tuesday. It's Giving Tuesday, and Georgia gives on Giving Tuesday. You can help make Georgia's biggest day of giving even bigger by showing your love to your favorite nonprofit organization. Now, no donation is too large or too small, and today we're going in-depth with two of the more than 3,000 groups that meet urgent needs, enrich lives, and help our communities to thrive. In a bit, we'll visit with Kyle Wade. He's the president and CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank. But we begin with the executive director of Choose ATL and the founder of Kate's Club, Kate Atwood. Kate's Club is a nationally acclaimed not-for-profit organization that provides support for children who are grieving the loss of a parent or of a sibling. Kate, we've got George Gives Day coming up. Kate's Club is going to be one of those that is featured. What in your early 20s was missing from your grieving experience that said there's a need for Kate's Club? Yes, well, first of all, thank you for having me, especially um, as we get ready for Georgia Gives Day. Um, you know, I started Kate's Club really because uh, at 12 years old, I lost my mom, Audrey, to cancer. And as a young girl in such important development years of my life, all I wanted was to look around and know another peer, another classmate uh, who shared a similar experience. And um, I couldn't find one. So I spent uh, the greater part of my adolescence um, trying to navigate grief alone. And uh, as I got older and my world got bigger, I started to realize that this actually happens a lot more than our culture and our communities uh, really talk about. And so much so that, you know, it's, it's one in 15 children around the U.S. In fact, one in 13 children around Georgia uh, will experience the death of a parent before they're 18. Um, and I knew firsthand how significant such a loss was and uh, saw a, an opportunity to change that course uh, for the generation that came behind me so that they knew that they didn't have to grieve alone. So it's 2003, six kids in a bowling alley, <laughs> you, some adults, you're in your early 20s. What was it that you were hoping to do? And tell us about some of the programs and things that Kate's Club offers today. Sure. Well, one of the, the stories that I like to tell about in those early days that I think really frames up uh, what we were trying to do uh, with Kate's Club was um, I would go and I would meet these families before we would have an activity and I would meet them at a church or a community center, or sometimes just a Starbucks. And uh, I remember walking into this one family and it was three girls and they had lost their father. And the youngest sister, you know, looked up to her older sister and goes, she doesn't look like what I thought she'd look like. <laughs> and um, I just, I heard it and I kind of quickly responded, well, what did you think I was going to look like? And she said, well, I thought you would be old and dressed in black. And it was that moment that I realized that that's, our, that's how our culture puts grief in a box. You know, we think death is an ending. We think that it is um, not something that happens to young people. 
And uh, I, I responded to that little girl, and I continue to respond uh, to what Kate's Club is today, is, is no, this is about you and honoring the person that you've lost. And I was young, and you are young, but together we're going to move forward. And Kate's Club takes that little pivot about uh, you know, having what could be a life-haltering, uh, not only life altering but haltering event and saying if we come together, if we face grief together, we will be better uh, and healthier for ourselves, for our family, and for our communities. Um, and that's why a bowling alley. You know, I wanted these kids from day one to show up at Kate's Club knowing that in their mind they didn't want to be there. And I wanted them to walk through the doors or show up at a bowling alley and, you know, say, well, this doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. And um, that's very much what we've been able to do now uh, for 15 years. This year we actually celebrated our 15th anniversary. When did you know that Kate's Club was having the impact that you wanted it to have? Um, well, I knew it right from the beginning. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I often joke, you know, being in my 20s, uh, not having fame to my name, or not even being from Atlanta, that, you know, building a network around a cause that, even though this was just 15 years ago, was not something that um, was very welcoming in terms of uh, a mission that people were comfortable supporting. Grief is something that ironically touches uh, all of us at some point in our lives. Um, and it was, you know, it was a tough conversation to, to start and, and to get uh, Atlanta um, to really understand why this was so important to pay attention to this life event, this origin point uh, of trauma, so that we could prevent uh, some of the outcomes that are now a part of our mental health crisis of our time. Um, so I knew in the early days, I could see the forest through the trees that this would be a game changer if it was given the opportunity to grow. Um, and really what we've done, which I think uh, is so special to the Atlanta community, to Georgia, is we've really let the kids lead the way. Um, you know, this isn't counseling. These kids are not, uh, they are, you know, instructed and, and there's structure around our, our programs. However, it is very much them guiding each other and them learning from each other. And uh, I think that's something we're really proud of and, and we know has many, many years uh, to even grow uh, beyond from here. You were 12 when your mother passed. You said she was sick pretty much half of your life. Um, how did Kate's Club help you grieve her? Yeah, you know, I, I love that you asked that question because, uh, you know, part of what was interesting, which I don't think I realized as much at the time, was that I was in some way on the same track as these kids, uh, even in my 20s, um, because I didn't have a Kate's Club. Uh, so as much as I like to think that I was bold and courageous and, and, and just really taking the first steps to start Kate's Club, it was also a, um, a very emotional experience as much as it was an entrepreneurial experience because uh, I learned so much from just watching these kids. But I think in my gut I knew that, you know, we as adults, uh, when we don't deal with grief, when we have layers of unresolved grief because we didn't have support in our childhood, you know, sometimes that, um, that crust keeps us from really ever being able to, to live our best lives, you know. And a lot of us, I know myself included, are work still on healing. 
um, instill on giving ourselves power uh, to healing as adults. And gosh, you know, you witness kids that don't know any differently because they learn, again, at the time that it happens throughout life, how powerful healing can be, uh, especially when you're supported and surrounded by others. What did your brother make of this initiative of yours? You know, I, um, my brother's an older, he's older, and much like we, you know, really uh, talk about a lot at Kate's Club is that, um, you know, one of the big misconceptions of grief is that even though the same person in, in the same family unit has died, the relationship with that person is different for every single uh, person around the table. And my brother was different than me. I mean, he just is a different person. His relationship with my mom was different. So uh, even his approach to me starting Kate's Club was different. He's super, super supportive, but my brother, you know, is a little bit quieter, he would say, uh, probably about his grief. Um, so my dad and my brother, I give them a lot of credit because they never once uh, didn't want me to, to use our family's story as uh, a why or as an example. And I think even today, as adults, you know, our family unit continues to work on how we um, not only heal ourselves, but heal as a family. So from Kate's Club to the Arby's Foundation, where you helped refocus that effort, raising 18, more than $18 million to eradicate childhood hunger, to now you're at Choose ATL with the Chamber. Tell us about the work you're doing in that space. Yeah, so Choose ATL is an initiative out of the Metro Atlanta Chamber. Uh, that was started really around this new idea of economic development focused on talent. Uh, you know, this summer, this past summer, in fact, for the first time in the history of uh, our country, we have more jobs available than we have workforce available. So what that means for a market like Atlanta and our region, which is growing and booming, is that we're really going to have to have an effort that is intentional about telling our story uh, around the country, around the world, to make sure people know what's really going on here. And especially when it comes to millennials and Gen Z, they know the career opportunities are here. Uh, so it's a wonderfully fun and challenging, um, again, just kind of, uh, I would say, early stage, you know, creating something for nothing, but is all rooted in community, is all rooted around, uh, you know, if if you are interested in what's going on in Atlanta, we've got the culture, we've got the jobs, the tech, we've got the creative, we have the neighborhood, we have the community that cares, right? Um, if you are a person, a young person who, you know, is attracted to all of those, um, then this is a place for you. And I feel like, uh, you know, though I have, um, you know, a wonderful, you know, kind of role and title in all this, it's really uh, about the people that are making this happen, um, which is all throughout Metro Atlanta. So we just hope to, as Atlanta grows, be able to um, serve our, our companies and, and our community with having uh, the best of the best in, in the next generation choose Atlanta. How easy a story is that to tell? You know, I think it's, I think it's easier, but I've also drank the Kool-Aid for 15 years. Um, you know, I think Atlanta, the only problem that keeps Atlanta back is our ability to really go out there in a bold way and to make sure that people know what's going on here. Um, our challenges here are not unique. 
to any growing market right now. Uh, and so I feel that if we kind of position ourselves in the place where you can have an impact, where you can help advance things like transit and transport, you know, transportation, um, if you are somebody who's passionate about you know, the inequities that we're seeing um, locally, regionally, you know, around the country, I mean, those are all things that, that every city uh, and every community is dealing with. And I, I hedge my bets on Atlanta in this region that we are going to have um, the, the people who want to solve it and the ideas that can solve it. So whether you're looking at the shiny film and TV that's here now and the yeah. music and the culture or whether you're looking at it as a place that you can really move um, some of these issues forward, uh, I just can't look around the U.S. right now and see another city that, that has that opportunity for a young person. And I also just um, might add that, you know, I, I took this role, this opportunity, because of what Atlanta had given me as a young person. Um, you know, to be young, to be trying to climb a mountain as big as building a grief support organization that was very uh, counterculture, um, to walk into a lot of rooms that were way big for my philanthropic britches, and um, people talk to me and believe in me. Uh, I think that is something that is unique and, and to be celebrated around Atlanta, and, and that's why I feel I feel good about what I'm working with <laughs> when I go out to to market Atlanta. Kate, you've built a career around launching and growing initiatives in both the public sector, the private sector, and the civic sector. Is there one thing that you are most proud? Gosh, um, I think I'm just so proud of. Uh, how this community just responds, um, responds to big ideas, responds to big problems, uh, you know, and responds to really, you know, the, the big opportunity that's in front of us. And, and that is what Atlanta can be uh, in, uh, you know, in this new kind of digital millennial era. Um, I don't think I could have had the career that I've had if it weren't for me being in Atlanta. And I'm very, very grateful um, for that. And also, you know, just on the heels of uh, this National Philanthropy Day luncheon, um, where uh, I was recognized as the National Philanthropic Leader of, of tomorrow. tomorrow. So obviously, I still have a long way to go. <laughs> um, no, but to stand, you know, next to uh, Rex Fuqua and Dave Stocker, I mean, to stand, you know, on the shoulders of the magnificent philanthropists that have come through Atlanta, uh, I'm just so proud that we're able to, um, you know, as the next generations continue to, to come through Atlanta, just build on that legacy, build on the legacy of Atlanta being a place you come to, to change the world. And congratulations on that award. Last question. What would Miss Audrey think of the woman you've grown into today? <laughs> Um, well, I think she, gosh, I mean, I, I would hope that uh, she would be proud. Um, you know, my mom was an educator. My mom, I learned from my mom um, to seek out uh, the person who may be suffering and it may not be visible. Uh, I grew up in a household that we invited, um, you know, uh, children from her classroom over on the weekends. They became a part of our soccer teams. Uh, I didn't question why, it was very natural at the time, but as I reflect, I realized it was really my mom building um, that sanctuary uh, and empowering those kids, regardless of, of what they were dealing with 
in the home. And I think that's what we need more than anything right now is that sometimes those who are suffering amongst us are the ones that have no visible wounds. Um, and it's on all of us, especially us adults, to, to make sure that we're asking if those kids are okay, um, asking you know, what happened. Uh, even if we see a, a, a bad outcome from a young person, not just to look at the treatment or you know whatever that punishment may be but to really look at the point of origin in which this child got on this path i mean that is what i remain really really committed to in my philanthropic efforts and and hopefully we'll be able to continue to to do that work kate clearly your mother lives on through you Thanks for being here. Kate Atwood is founder of Kate's Club, one of the nonprofits you can support on Giving Tuesday. The Atlanta Community Food Bank oversees the distribution of nearly 70 million pounds of food and grocery products each and every year. Now, the food bank is one of hundreds of Metro Atlanta nonprofit organizations seeking your support on Giving Tuesday, what used to be known as Georgia Gives Day. Kyle Wade is the president and CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank. He joins us, Kyle. For listeners who may only have top-of-mind familiarity with the food bank, share with us exactly what you all do. Uh, the Atlanta Community Food Bank is one of the largest hunger relief organizations uh, in the southeast. Uh, we serve 29 counties across metro Atlanta and north Georgia. Uh, and in those counties, uh, we support a network of close to 700 community partner organizations. Uh, many of them are churches or other faith-based groups. There are other nonprofits. And through that network of partners, we distribute, as you said, uh, close to 70 million pounds of food or the equivalent of 61 million meals to about 750,000 people every year. How significant a crisis is hunger in Metro Atlanta? You know, it's a it's a really uh, ongoing and significant problem, and, and that sort of defies expectations when you consider, hey, we have full employment, we've got a tremendous economy right now. I think mean, many people would assume that uh, shoot, we we should see very little need for the food bank in this day and age. But uh, the truth of the matter is that, that low and moderate income working families continue to feel significant pressure uh, in their pocketbooks every single month uh, and need uh, frequently uh, help to ensure that their family has all the food that they need. Uh, a great example is, uh, is a lady that I met just the other day, one of our partner agency locations in Cobb County, uh, a, a suburban county often known for its affluence. Uh, and she was there with her two children after her day at work. Uh, the terrible irony is that what she does for a living is she works in a school cafeteria. So she spends her day feeding other kids. And then uh, because just the wage that she earns through her job uh, given her, her rental costs, her medical costs, her child care and educational costs, her transportation costs, uh, that that income does not uh, meet all of the basic needs for her family, and she needs help from us to help meet those basic needs. Uh, we serve, as I mentioned, 750,000 people. Uh, most of those folks are uh, in households where somebody is working or trying to get back to work, uh, where there are kids in the household, uh, and were it not for the food bank and our network, you know, those families would uh, really struggle to ensure that their kids and themselves have all the food that they need. 
Kyle, it sounds like yours is a massive operation. Would that be a fair assessment? You know, we have we our own organization is a significant uh, operation. Uh, we have 165 employees. We have 20 trucks on the road every day. Uh, we're um, um, bringing food in and out constantly. It's moving fast and very complex. Uh, but that said, what is much bigger is the uh, huge network of partners and volunteers and donors. Uh, that have uh, joined us in this effort to fight hunger uh, over many years. You know, our mission is to engage, educate, and empower the community to fight hunger. Uh, And what you don't hear in that mission is anything about trucks or warehouses uh, or logistics. It's all about community engagement and empowerment. Uh, And that ultimately is how we're going to solve hunger is that, you know, we provide the engine of that emergency food system here at the food bank. Uh, but the rest of the community uh, is really what brings the power of that engine to life. Uh, our 700 partners, uh, the 30,000 uh, individual donors who work with the food bank, the 20,000 volunteers who work with us every year, uh, that's what makes our uh, operation so massive and impactful. Uh, not just the stuff that we operate here directly, but all those folks who have stood up and embraced the challenge to end hunger in their local neighborhood. Kyle, do you see the day in our future when our community will put the food bank out of business? You know, uh, we would love to put ourselves out of business. We'd love for the community to put ourselves out of business. Um, That would be a great day if everybody had enough food and and could afford all that food on their own. I think we're a long way from that. Uh, And the fundamental pressure that we're um, uh, confronting uh, is an environment where, again, for low and moderate income working families, you know, they've seen kind of wages be relatively stagnant, incomes being real relatively stagnant over the last 40 years due to a lot of complicated factors. Uh, At the same time, they've seen expenses for health care and housing and child care and other expenses continue to grow. Uh, And so what it took to kind of live a stable, uh, thriving life economically a generation ago, that math has totally changed. Uh, And so until that math changes in the opposite direction again, you know, we're going to be uh, working hard to ensure that everybody has enough food. Uh, we hope we, that will happen. Um, a lot of those decisions are a little bit beyond our control here at the food bank. Uh, and in the meantime, we're going to do everything we can uh, to help influence policy decisions while serving the need that exists today. How can people on Tuesday help the Atlanta Community Food Bank on Giving Tuesday? So Giving Tuesday um, is the Tuesday right after Thanksgiving. It's a great a kind of national event that started um, uh, a, a few years ago where much like uh, sort of Black Friday or a Cyber Monday, uh, it was a way to really galvanize people across the country uh, to get them to participate in, in uh, charitable giving and supporting uh, worthy efforts to strengthen our communities. Uh, at the Atlanta Community Food Bank, Um, It's a tremendous opportunity uh, for people to support our mission. Uh, Not only is it a day where you can give online, but on that day, you double your impact with your gift. So normally, when you give us a dollar, we can turn that into about four meals worth of uh, output to the community. Uh, On Giving Tuesday, because of a generous match from Medlytics, one of our great um, local partners, they're a, a company based up in Roswell, 
Uh, and uh, Arvind and Tony and the team up there have uh, agreed to match um, uh, uh, the meal, the do- dollars that are being donated to the food bank on that day. So your dollar that day will uh, support eight meals worth of service. Uh, to the community. Can't think of a better reason to support the Atlanta Community Food Bank on Giving Tuesday. We'll find the link for you, I would assume, at the website for the Georgia Center for Nonprofits, or Kyle, we can just go to the Atlanta Community Food Bank website, correct? You can go to acfb.org to make uh, your donation. Um, to the food bank. Uh, There will be information there uh, on Giving Tuesday about that promotion. Uh, And there's all kind of other great information on our website about hunger uh, in our community and about ways you can get involved in addition to making a contribution. You can volunteer, you can advocate, uh, and you can make a difference in ending hunger in our community. Kyle Wade, President and CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank, thank you so much. Thank you, Condis. It was a pleasure to be here. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.